0: Somebody with the sunrise movement
1: can we get the are we live <laughs> i guess we're live i'm here with renters radio we're back and uh i'm i was just sitting around talking about the bees and how they should be on our
0: side lauren doesn't get the the cue of when we stare and point at her
1: what's going on um so yeah we're back it's a we don't have any in-studio guests today, but we have a lot to talk about. Um, it's pretty I, basic,
0: back to our roots. Yeah,
1: back to our roots of just me and Evan sitting around talking about politics. Um, and we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm Lauren Pespisa. Um I'm sitting here with Evan George. Hello, hello. DSA. That's right. All day, socialist. Um, and we are—we have a few things to talk about. We're going to talk about Suffolk Downs because, you. Um, That is like the biggest development uh, to invade um, East Boston. We're also talking about uh, some sad news that we got over the weekend or last week, which is uh, the Middle East being bought and what's going to happen for the future of Central Square. A little worried about that. Um, What else are we talking about? We're talking about a few other things.
0: Uh, Marty did his... Not Marty. Not Marty. Well, I mean, Marty did his State of the City, which we basically passed on because it was pretty boring. Yeah. and they had a weird time, but uh, Charlie did the state of the Commonwealth, which was also very boring. Like, if like you and I can't get into watching it, I can't imagine who it's for.
1: I didn't even like pay any attention to it. At I, least I watched Marty's, just because I knew he was going to like mess up pronunciation of something.
0: It is kind of funny <laughs> to do to him top. But um, Baker did his thing, which is basically misusing statistics, but he did highlight some stuff on housing that Kind of flows in nicely after we talk about Suffolk Downs, and this is going to be a call-in show, right? Because we haven't allowed callers. Yes,
1: we have. Yeah, we haven't really taken too many calls in a while that weren't like super scheduled. Um, We are going to take callers. I'm actually posting this video right now with the number to call in, Uh, and you know, if you got some something you want to talk about Rangers issues, uh, any commentary on Charlie Baker and or Suffolk Downs, we would love to hear it. Uh, there's a few other things going on that we're talking about. A lot of uh, there's a few like international things too. Um, we might get into some what's going on with uh, Glenn Greenwald because he's an old friend of mine and he's getting kind of uh, attacked, as expected. Uh, literally, like literally attacked uh, in exactly. Exactly the way that a lot of old, uh, journalists have been, um, in terms of, uh, attacks on press freedoms and freedom of information and being accused of being a hacker and all that, uh, by a fascist regime. Um, so, we have all that, uh, let's get started, we have a few clips.
0: Yes, do, uh, do you want to go into Suffolk Downs let Let's first? talk
1: about Suffolk Downs. Okay,
0: so, as real heads would remember, I was on the front page of the Boston Globe in a nice photo, uh, not the front page, front page of the Metro section, maybe, maybe it's page eight, who cares? This is our podcast, front page, Boston Globe, um, with City Life and a lot of other uh, partner groups, uh, Dorchester Office For Sale, which is who I was there to support, as well as obviously DSA. you know, I rep you right anywhere <coughs> from was standing against the Suffolk Downs development. So that is not just the largest development to hit East Boston. This is the, the largest development to hit the city of Boston in 40 years. It's literally 10,000 units. The entire support was six, I think. And so this um, this developer, who we debated it was Timmy versus Tommy. What's his actual name? It's Thomas. It's Thomas. Thomas
1: N. O'Brien. He's
0: the lead developer, but he really is backed by this billionaire out in Texas. And this is just like, again another person who this is funneled through like a hedge fund or just some of their accountants, which then pick up. Hey, let's just build another whole community in Boston. So it's ten thousand. It's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars to build. And rather than just having another seaport, which is a bunch of glass towers that no one lives in, this is, we're trying to have as much pressure as possible to make sure that it's going to be another whole neighborhood. We, the people, have to get to build it. Um, do you have the clip all leveled up? All right. This is Tom O'Brien, right? Of, uh,
1: yeah. uh, HYM.
0: It's a good Irish boy.
1: Yeah. Good old boy. Uh, this is company is HYM, um, HYM Investments, uh. LLC.
0: If, if for a lot of our clips we have them like pre-cut this one we're going to do spontaneous so I'm in Herb on the mic is going to be picking up on the cues when they cut take us away I want this to be a
2: community We want this to be a mix of people with seniors and affordables and, you know open space and all that so we're starting from the get-go to try and take this in a different direction
3: on the um, actually Herb you saw right there it's the
0: Uh, yeah, okay, did you catch what he described the other people as besides seniors? Elderly. No, no, no. All right, Herb, because I I told Herb to start a certain point. Market, you know, and affordable
2: will be seniors, yes.
0: and then. But, um, Herb, can you go all the way back from the start? Uh, so
2: okay. Because he says it right away.
0: affordables <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Aaron, you
2: can it. so in this person's mind
0: affordables is like a type of person it's like a product yeah or like like you have seniors which again we all know that's a social category but now he introduces this other social category of people just called affordables do you think
1: they talk like that in their board meetings
0: if they mention us probably yeah or they call us takers because our society is deba- uh, divided between makers and takers right. they're the makers and we're the takers but this is what they're going to do And people get hung up on, like, our our current social constructs of, like, labels as, you know, you're this, you're that. They will just create new classes of people to label us and demonize us. Affordable is an adjective, (laughs) not a noun. Yeah, but... I guess it's a noun now. I swear to God, if things don't go the right way 60 years from now, you're going to have to check off a box if you're an affordable. Are you an affordable? And there's going to be a whole different classification of people. But, all right, right, keep it going, bro. In a different direction.
3: On the units themselves, I think you've mentioned earlier 10% will be going for elderly
2: people. Yeah, 10% and of all units, market you know, and affordable, will be seniors, yes. And then how much will be affordable? 13% of, of all the units built on site will be uh, in the Boston side, will be um, affordable. Then we've also committed, we've been working with the mayor and other elected officials, Councilor Edwards and, and other folks, to increase the total number of affordable units to 20%. So we'll take, uh, we'll build thirteen percent of our total units. So that's about uh, nine hundred and thirty units will be built on site. This is the the most affordable units that have ever been built by any project in in Boston. And then we'll do another five hundred units to a total of uh, one thousand four hundred and thirty units. And those five hundred units will be produced with a, a fund, kind of a housing stabilization fund, that will allow the city and local nonprofits to purchase and preserve as affordable housing uh, units in East Boston as well. So we'll end up producing twenty percent of.
0: Okay, so he introduced something at the end there that I'm very skeptical on, so we're going to get to that in, in a second. But just like every development, he said 13% affordable, which we've discussed uh, on here. That doesn't mean 13% will be reasonably priced. Right. That means... If you uh, qualify for That affordable. means maybe 8% of that 13... So, like, total, not literally an 8% fraction of 13. But, like, 8% of that will be if you make... 80,000, 90,000 a year. Maybe another 2% of it will be, if you make 50 to 60, and less than 1% will be the actual area median income. Because the actual area median income of this area is around 50, 55,000. But as we've talked about before, what they use is the area median income, which is six figures.
1: And this is actually uh, the same issue with another project this developer has built in Brighton, which is uh, the Lantera condos um, near me Uh, I think I'm sure they have affordable units designated um, but if they base it on the actual Boston median income I mean it's the same issue with the numbers there whereas like I think the median income in Brighton is like somewhere like 39 or something it's not even it's It's low it's very low nobody can afford it
0: and just so when people, like, they have an idea in their heads of what to, like, the actual communities want. I I cut it earlier, because this is, like, a 25-minute interview. He talks about how they've been to, like, 500 community groups. Just try, This is what the actual community wants. What uh, we want is 50% of all this new development, 50% of all 10000 needs to be truly affordable at the actual area median income of the area.
1: Which none of... Uh processes that they have in place actually no. even like
0: try to do no, um, not even close but it, it, um, so even that is like to me low if if we are actually game planning for Boston and we say okay the average person here can only make $50,000 then for me 90% of the housing should be built towards the actual area median income and then maybe if you wanted to have some luxury but it, and to me, like fifty is being generous. And I know some uh, community groups want two thirds to be like what we we label it as truly affordable. That's how we try to like split the difference between them saying affordable. We say truly affordable. But the actual community wants fifty percent built at thirty percent AMI. Okay. So that's half of the housing for people who make thirty to forty thousand a year, which is again actually meets the needs of people in that community. Right. And, and he said something else earlier. And if you listened to Baker's thing, they do it constantly this is the most affordable units ever. It's like, well, well yeah, because this is the largest <laughs> yeah. project. And so as a percentage of that, it sounds big. But you're still doing the 13%. You're still doing the same fraction that everyone else is doing. But because this is such a big project, you get to say, this is the largest ever. Whenever you hear that, don't listen. It's another BS uses statistics.
1: Yeah, it's like the biggest project ever. So, of course, there's going to be the most affordable housing ever. Um, I was reading uh, the page that this podcast was posted on on commonwealth magazine
0: thank podcast. you for always remembering to cite them because i'm pretty sure we can get in trouble if, like, yeah, if we don't yeah no, this them. is from
1: the codcast shout out to the codcast good job uh, you could have pushed him a little harder but whatever That's okay. um he said the cost of building in downtown boston not necessarily suffolk downs but just other projects i think he was referring to bullfinch crossing another thing that uh his development company is building he said the cost of building is six hundred seventy five thousand dollars per unit and to build that tower that they're building there and i just want to know
0: can somebody break that down like why really so all right that's a great segue i don't know if you did that on purpose so he's about to go into what is the common like one of the biggest arrows that all developers will use against us is to say you don't understand it costs so much to build here that's why everything's so expensive it just costs so much to build here um Harry, can you play? And then w- when he goes into that, we'll, uh, we'll try to take that one apart.
3: Across the site. So, and then uh, with the balance of the units, do you then have to, I'm just sort of seeing a lot of these luxury towers going up all around Boston. Will your high end go way up in the stratosphere like a lot of these uh, places we're seeing?
2: I mean, we're we're certainly not the Back Bay, or you know, or you know, the the more expensive parts of, of Boston. So, I, I don't we don't see us as the high end luxury. I mean, I, honestly, we, we see this site as as kind of more of a moderate income site. That's that's sort of where we are. I mean, we're on the furthest end of East Boston, and we're partly in Revere. So, you know, we're not we're not we're definitely not the Back Bay. Um, that's not what we see. I would say, I mean, the, the key thing to understand on the housing market is. It's very costly to build these buildings. You know, the, the, we're building a building in downtown Boston right now, and uh, that that the cost of that is six hundred seventy-five thousand dollars per unit to build that tower. Um, Shout out, so Lauren. Very expensive to build housing in Boston, uh, and that's a big issue, really big issue. But what we're trying to do here with the combination of the project labor's um, you know agreement that we've put together, together with our approach in terms of how we've designed these buildings and what we've thought about, we're trying to deliver these units at less cost than downtown. So we'll probably be. less cost uh, at our site than, you know, downtown. Okay.
0: All right. So what we always have to remember whenever we talk about this is they are doing this as an investment, which means no matter what they say, meaning no matter how much they complain about how much it costs, they still have on a piece of paper how much it costs and how much they're going to make and then what their profit will be. So unless they tell us that Ending part, which they never do. If you ever go to a housing group meeting and you raise your hand and you say, How much uh, profit are you going to make from this investment? They'll say, Oh, oh, we don't know. We don't know. But if you want to talk about how much does it cost to build, what are your costs, they'll go into ad nauseum about that. So we always have to remember no matter what they say, they are making money off of this. I mean, that's the first point.
1: I would like to see those numbers.
0: They they should.
1: I I just don't believe that. Like, I would like to see, like, okay, break it down for me so that, you know, like, like I feel like that's a little inflated or a lot inflated. I'm not sure
0: I believe that. If we had, like, an actual, rather than the BPDA, if we actually (laughs) had a group of people that got to go behind the scenes, because I can understand maybe we can't make it public what one investor is doing because then now all the other investors will know even though for something like housing, that's completely. bullshit. But, but what are these with.
1: costs going to? Is that the cost of like
0: floorboard? Like what, what, what is this going to? So um, th- they go into it and uh, maybe we'll play the clip for a little bit longer, but we've kind of touched on the main, yeah. the main thing. And the, the reason for it is because, and this is what luxury development does. If you picture like 10 houses in a circle and the first one goes for a very high amount of money, that now increases the value of the other nine. So right. Now, when the second house goes to sell, it goes for more money, which then increases the price of buying the next eight houses. And then slowly it grows, because that's what luxury development does, yeah. is it expands the property value because now investors know you can make more money from it. So now by the time you get to that eighth house, ninth house that wants to sell, the cost is so artificially inflated because of the luxury development. And then you see developers like this complaining about it, even though still they're making money off the back end. So we go back to the original problem, which is, if, this is what luxury housing does, is it drives up costs for everyone, but those costs get placed on us, not this billionaire kid. Isn't he like our age?
1: Yeah, he is, actually. Um. So how? Uh, let's play the other clip. I actually, I want to take a call.
0: Okay. Um, and I do want to go into this. Is that guy. caller available? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: All right. We had somebody message us earlier who wanted to talk about this. They were just fortuitous that it was on the same topic.
1: But do you have one more
3: clip?
0: Um, do you want to keep playing the clip until he calls in? And then once we hear the do-do-do-do-do, we'll figure it out.
3: Yeah. $675,000 to build a unit downtown. Yes. And is that a luxury that's not,
2: unit? Or that's is, not even today's office. <laughs> because remember, we we've, you started we've that two years ago. Right. So we locked in those prices two and a half years ago. Um, so today's price is higher it's it's <laughs> it's a big issue for us oh also. there we, so we go we know That's that That's that people are anxious because because housing costs so much if you're a renter hello, hello. how are you doing
1: hey can you hear us
4: yeah i can there's no feedback on my end is there
0: nope, you're no you're good you're you sound good perfect you sound better than you do in First. person
4: <laughs> <laughs> thanks evan <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hearing the clip because i didn't want to hear like figure the, the same thing with the radio shows so like, you don't want to have the both signals going at the same time <laughs> um but yeah so uh how, how do you want to introduce us uh, evan
1: knows you uh you just had some good stuff to say uh, and i'm like have him call in well so. <laughs> i mean i'll
0: i'll let you go into uh who you are if you feel like it other than that you can be anonymous caller number one but no, i'm t- totally
4: fine saying my name so. okay, yeah sure
0: uh would you mind just quickly um introducing yourself to the uh, logic community yeah certainly sure. good,
4: um so my name's steven um and uh, I'm, I'm live here in east boston myself cool. um and, and so i'm also a member of dsa and and with a number of different struggles as well as another organization called solidarity uh long story short um there's a coalition over here in east boston that's been trying to confront this suffolk Downs thing um and um, I'm not sure if the name has been put out there. I didn't actually hear it, but uh, William Bruce Harrison, Jr.? Yes, um, yes. That, that... Can you please talk about him? <laughs> Certainly. Uh, he's a 32-year-old billionaire from Houston, Texas. Um, their family made part of their riches on leasing land to Shell Oil. Um, so they are quite rich. I believe uh, he became a billionaire by the age of 17 and sued his uncle to get complete control of the company, last I heard um and one thing that's really important to understand because you know hym does all this other development stuff too um and in this case this project specifically um william bruce harrison owns 95 percent of the project at suffolk downs um and tom o'brien owns only one percent and his brother owns another one percent and then there's a mixture of other investors that own the other three um And so, like this project is insane uh, because of the space, the amount of land, the time. This is a 20-year project. uh, That's you know, is there's so many demands that we have, and you guys were touching on some of it earlier on about the affordable affordable housing and everything. Um, But you know, they're we want to like the organization, not just the organization I'm with, but like the coalition that we're part of, which is Pueblo, the Mm -hmm. uh, people united for East Boston liberation and organizing, um, which is a uh multilingual group um, that's putting out demands um, is, well, we want a floor first of 20% on the project, which gives us the ability to demand higher on, on the other parts. But, you know, 50%, what you're saying uh, earlier, Evan, is correct. Um, that's, you know, 50% at 30% AMI. Mm-hmm. Going to those calculations is a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, but, I mean, r-
0: know, roughly 30% AMI is about like 30 to $40,000 a year.
4: Yeah, yeah, and that's the true AMI of East Boston.
0: Um, And and, uh, actually, Steve, you you just gave a a stat much earlier that I think we just have to sit with for a second. This thirty-two-year-old billionaire is going to thirty-two-year-old billionaire who had to sue his uncle for more money because I guess why not? um, Is going to control what percentage of this development?
4: He currently owns ninety five percent of the Suffolk Downs project. So, the like, whole
0: thing, does so. that make sense to anyone that we're going to let a thirty two year old billionaire who lives halfway across the country own ninety five percent of what will just be a new neighborhood of Boston? Like, yeah. that is feudalism, but in every yeah. definition.
1: Uh this is yeah. happening all over the country, yeah. from what I found too on my research on this uh, Bruce Harrison Jr. Except person. the king gets
0: to live. Um, so, uh, I'm sorry. Keep yeah, going. no,
1: exactly. Well, okay, so first of all, let's talk about how his dad died. Ooh. His dad died being attacked by a swarm of bees.
5: Yeah, <laughs> fell off a tractor at that Yeah, and,
1: and he <laughs> fell off a tractor, but the bees didn't even like this guy, okay? So this is why we need to invest. You know, the bees are on our side.
0: Bees are communists. Bees are communists. Um he, let's go.
1: His, his dad literally got attacked by a swarm of bees and fell off a tractor. Shout out to here. the bees. Clearly uh, DSA members, clearly communists, clearly on our side. Let's fight for them. They fight for us. Anyway, I'm into this site called Dirt.com. It's about all kinds of different developers and like real estate gossip. Um, he is doing this all over the country. This is not just Boston. Oh, yeah. He's been building these crazy developments in Redondo Beach and all over the place. And kind of every city he's doing this in, people have issues with it.
5: Yeah. Yep. yep.
0: Yeah, it's because of no one, no one like feudalism. Yeah. Especially when I can't just grow my own food like they used to do. At least <laughs> they had job security and time off in the winter.
4: Yeah, well, and, and unlike feudalism, most people actually knew who the lords were and had That's seen true. them. In this case, William Bruce Harrison does a very good job of making right. sure his picture is not out there. I Doesn't can't
0: find good. a picture of yeah. him. Is he going to throw us a feast every now and then if we get rowdy? What's, like, the <laughs> perks we get from this? <laughs> so Good question. <laughs>
1: In in terms of uh some of the uh, uh just doxing ability that we can do on this guy, uh, I guess, um, Harrison Interest Limited is this company, right? And there's also uh, this company that's based Houston that he's part of, which is Cathexis, um, mm-hmm. and they also own things like Hickory Farms, like the little sausages <laughs> and uh, hair extension company. So it's like just kind of one of these like conglomerate corporations. Um, and they saw Suffolk Downs as a good investment.
0: Um, I'm just thinking there's no hair in the sausages,
1: maybe. I don't know. I mean, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Don't
0: sue us, we, we already have copyright infringements. Yeah, I know. Like us, I know so.
1: That's true. We're already getting flagged. Uh, so it's just, it's sort of like you know, we spoke about the Carlisle group a, a few episodes yeah. ago, and um, it, it's sort of one of those faceless, nameless, evil organizations that we should have a problem with. Um, Nothing that this development company is doing is actually in the people's interest. So I would like to know more about Pueblo.
6: Uh,
4: Certainly. The the coalition that kind of formed, this is something that just really started getting going at the end of September is when we kind of had our first uh, meeting to kind of define what we're going to try to do. Um, And since then, you know, we've been trying to put together our demands on this. There are a lot of people that are part of different community fights. There's a number of different struggles within East Boston. Okay. Um, so the coalition is kind of trying to not just address Suffolk Downs, although it clearly is one that has a, a deadline right now, um, which is the DPDA's vote on the 13th of February, which we are going to call for people to take action on, so encourage people to get uh, involved in that. Um, and we are going to be also part of a demand that's going to be a, an action on the 8th of February, I believe at noon, similar to what we did before, Evan, when we were at the march here. Um, and so the some of the other fights that Pueblo – also, as a part of is um, the the substation. Uh, if people are familiar with the substation that source wants to put into East Boston, that's in a predominantly Latino Latina community, and they've done a terrible job on doing any interpretation, let alone translation of documentation or running meetings that are multilingual. So they, these are some of the fights that Pueblo gets involved in. What is a substation? Is in. uh, could sorry? you go into
0: that more, Steve? Yeah.
4: So the the quick of it is there's a, the this goes back into longer history but I'll give you the short end. Um the there's a substation site that they wanna put on that's on Chelsea Creek, which is the river between East Boston and Chelsea, um, which is a high traffic area with tankers for jet fuel oil and everything else. Right. Um and they wanna put a substation into an area that is in the floodplain. Uh, so a substation is where they take the high voltage electricity and convert it to lower voltage to send to people's homes or offices and such. Um, This is not something that the community needs, by the way, this is actually Eversource started doing this about 10 years ago. Um, And they've been trying to put this substation in because it's how they make profit. Um, They put the fees on all the people that are going to be affected by it, and we all have to pay for their expansion and get nothing out of it. Sounds
1: Um, like a compressor.
4: And then
0: also, everyone just sit with like, they're putting what you said was an electric uh, station in a flood zone?
4: Yes, in a flood zone. Okay, Um, I just just want everyone to sit with that a little bit. Not just next to a flood zone, next to a park next to a flood zone, which is then also next to a huge tanker filled with jet fuel. Uh, What could go wrong? It's a really good location. And on top of that, they're going to be putting the new fire department and police station for East Boston um, right next to that in the same area. Uh, So when the electrical shock shocks the jet fuel and blows everything up, the first responding group would not be able to be there because they would be wiped out. So, you know, there's wonderful science behind this one.
0: <laughs> and um something that, you know, I like about uh Pueblo is uh like East Boston is very hard to organize. And mm-hmm. so I and I think that's why you see things like the Suffolk Downs, why you see things like this Eversource station, is it'll always be the most marginalized communities with the less voice and uh obviously economic reasons that have the least political capital where you see yeah, let's put an electric station where it floods every other High noon, and let's just do this. Let this billionaire create a little play park in what's going to be a new neighborhood of Boston. Yeah. And, um, I mean, go on. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say, Steve, can you share, um, either like on the Facebook, uh, that February 13th, just so I can, yeah. uh, make sure it's promoted? All right. Awesome.
4: Certainly. And the February 8th as well. Um, and just to highlight one thing, just to, to, I mean, East Boston also has a very long history of activism, too. Um, there's the Maverick Street Mothers that were fighting the extension of the airport. <laughs> um, we succeeded in a, a note to the casino when they tried to put it at Suffolk Downs as well, although I didn't oh, yeah. hear when that happened. Um, so there have been numerous different ways. It's just sometimes those coalitions and the different groups that are there, it's just keeping everything going is, is a challenge because there's so many different fights that we have, <laughs> um, especially now, much more so than in the recent years than we've seen in the past. So, uh, But, yeah, no, and, and, yeah, I'd be happy to share the dates. Um, we just had a meeting earlier today. Um, and it's really good to be in a multilingual space. It's predominantly English and Spanish speaking group. Um, and so, you know, I encourage people to, you know, once we kind of get our presence going and everything else, to support our fight. Um, and we'll go from there.
0: Awesome. And um, definitely um, spread those two events to us so Laura and I can promote it. If people who live in East Boston would like to get more involved, is there a way to get mm-hmm. connected with PLEVA?
4: Uh, not quite yet. Um, but we'd be happy to put some of the information out there. Um, some of the groups that are in East Boston that people might know, Green Roots, Zoomix, New Bay are connected to this stuff. Um, so if they're not active in those spaces, those are good spaces to get active in, uh, are you know, Boston DSA is trying to get a meetup going up soon. So certainly get in touch with Boston DSA as well. Um, would be a good way to do it too.
1: Awesome. So there's no website or anything, nothing I could just like plug in?
4: not quite yet okay in there
1: (laughs) well keep us posted for sure because uh it you know we definitely want to hear what the next steps are to be done against the Suffolk down situation in east boston as well as this um uh station what is it the the sub substation i didn't really know about that but it reminds me of the Weymouth compressor a little bit which is an issue we've talked about it's just kind of like invading and i guess it's not really helping any of the local people there so Mm -hmm.
4: And and one other event that's coming up is on, I think it might even be the 29th, which would be this Wednesday, um, is uh, Eagle Hill Civic Association for people who live in Eagle Hill. There'll, it'll be the first time Latino, Latinas will be kind of given a tremendous amount of space on the impact of what the substation is <laughs> going to do as well as Suffolk Downs. Um, and so encourage people who might be in town on the 29th that are in East Boston near Eagle Hill uh, will be meeting at 7 o'clock at the high school there. I'll also try to share that information. Yeah, <laughs>
1: awesome Rad, Uh Definitely share it to our group um, and keep us posted on that because it seems like East Boston is one of the, the fronts of a lot of this stuff right now and um, these it fights. Like so I really like appreciate uh, the knowledge you've been dropping on it and like sort of the work you've been doing with that. Um, I would really, really like to see some successes.
4: Yeah, especially if, on this project. Yeah,
1: especially on the yeah. Suffolk Downs projects. I feel like there has to be, has to be something we can win. But. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean where the I mean the other things that the the coalition is trying to put together right now is a community benefits agreement. You know, they signed up a project labor agreement, so the union's got their support. We want to get our support. Um and even the twenty percent that you guys were referring to, seven percent of it's not even funded at the rate that they even say. I mean you were referring to it earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, they Tom here says it costs them five hundred thousand dollars per unit. Um and they only gave five million dollars towards the sustainability fund only covers a cost for the seven percent, of a hundred thousand dollars a unit, which is not even within old numbers that the city says is what it costs to build a unit. Um, so you know, clearly they're they're trying to skimp on everything, and they made a fortune. They're going to make a fortune on this in one way or the other, and they're committed to twenty years. Twenty years. Mm-hmm. I just want to emphasize that twenty years of development that's going to go on here. So there's there's a lot of other parts of the fight that we have to continue and like commitment to local hiring and everything afterwards, whenever the units are put in to make sure that their un- unions can be formed and everything else after whatever enterprises are there. There's just a lot to, to add to the demands.
0: Absolutely. And um, I, I wanted to highlight something you just said, because, and I, I've said this at um, like a BPDA meeting that I was a part of, like, we're not at the point yet where I think we would like to be meeting. The public owns the land. We can have just all public housing. We can have a truly community effort to just construct a whole new neighborhood as we want it to be. I, I wish mm-hmm. we were in that case. I, like we're just not uh, in that climate yet. And yeah. even if even if they met all the demands that we want, they're still going to make money. What at the oh, yeah. and, and this is what frustrates me, which is at the end of the day, what we're debating amongst ourselves and screaming and going <laughs> through all these marches and protests and showing up at hearings is whether or not that prick 32-year-old billionaire <laughs> makes a 9% return on investment or a 12% return on investment. And that's what this fight is. And, and he doesn't know any of our names. He doesn't even, probably even oh. know what Suffolk's Down is.
1: No, it's yeah. so
0: infuriating yeah. that we have to just communicate the margins of this little prick's uh, hedge fund. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it's frustrating. Yeah, well, you, you
4: know... Yeah i was gonna say to our knowledge he's never visited boston he he wants to be our neighborhood but he's never visited the city that he's supposedly moving into
0: yeah it, it's feudal I mean, kings that yeah. like we'll
4: never meet that we can't
0: understand we'll get the marketing like no it's just natural it's and, just economic forces no one can control this this isn't the result of policy and it's just yeah.
1: and they're building luxury condos that nobody we know will ever be able to live in so
4: yeah, and <laughs> like that's true like i'll they, never they, see the inside of condos? that this is this is clearly an investment property for them because they these are all rentals. The only ones that are gonna be sold are, are the affordable housing units and it's a, such a small percentage, but the majority, I think it was ninety or ninety five percent of the build of the units being built are either one bedroom or uh, studio apartments. That go for like four electric. grand
1: a month. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Thomas yeah. is, is is only fooling us when he says that it's for, you know, the afford, affordables. Um whatever the <laughs> fuck. <laughs> oh, pardon yep. my French. Um, <laughs> It's okay, uh, but yeah. So like, it, his target is clear. Like he's le- le- looking for people who are going to move in, stay for a little, like a year or two, and then move out, so they can then keep raising rents. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. clearly what the model is. He, and then he, they- he denies that when I when I brought that up to him at Suffolk Downs meeting. So, um, I mean, he this is this is Tom who denied the model it. That he's projecting.
1: Who who denied it? Oh, Tom. Tom, Tom denied he, it.
4: Okay. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. No, he he's he's like the last meeting. We had a number of people I invited from DSA and other groups that had never seen this guy speak. And in the middle of the meeting, I was getting text messages from, from them saying, this Tom guy is absolutely horrible. And I never prompted them anything about Tom. They just <laughs> saw him for the first time and just realized how bad this guy is. I mean, he's, he's, he honestly makes it seem like, you know, doing what his job is is hard, apparently. You know? Oh, yeah, it's real tough. And we're supposed to really feel bad for the people who have a lot.
0: <sighs> yeah. I mean, it costs so much to develop in Boston. It's such a burden. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how this guy only gets like 1% I mean, like, again, he's making money off this But like, oh, sure. he's like the boot licker Of again, this 32-year-old billionaire Who is just sitting back with 95% he's... ownership how, how old is this guy? Tom how, O'Brien? Yeah, how old is Tom? he got to be in his
1: 50s Yeah, he's been O'Brien. around He was uh, the head of the Boston Redevelopment Authority Think of that, a
0: 50-year-old man licking the boot Of this little Texas twerp who's <laughs> doing all this work for Yeah, hope you have a yeah. great life, bud
1: this is what he does yeah yeah go on no no you go on i'm just saying it's, it's he's been around you know yeah
4: right yeah. no and he he knows what he's doing he, he knows the game he's trying to play because he you know you're saying it lauren that he is the head of the BRA. the bra is what the dpda is now they just got rid of the name because of scandals that happened back then right um so you know they picked a better name the the boston people displacement agency um, <laughs> so, just remember that that's what the bpda stands for hey man they've got folks... some
1: they've got some sweet maps on their website okay <laughs> let's get rid of them but let's keep the cool infographics and maps i gotta say
0: yeah, well i mean at this yeah. point the bpda has had so many scandals um, and Michelle Wu has the Abolish the BPDA, um, campaign, so I'm sure they'll rename and rebrand shortly, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah um, Steve, really appreciate you calling yeah. in. Um, no problem. happy to do it.
1: Yeah. yeah, keep us posted on how we can support uh, what's going, what you're doing in East Boston and the communities in East Boston that are fighting displacement because uh, we would definitely have you on and have uh, other members of those organizations on to
4: talk about it in the future. I'd love to. That'd be great. I'd be happy to communicate with you guys on that and coordinate. So. Hell yeah. Uh, but I'll share those links with you um, uh, for, the, for you guys to share to the followers.
1: Awesome. Thanks so Thank much.
4: You very much. Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. Really appreciate it.
0: Bye-bye. I, I, again, I can't get keep get over this is all for like a 32 year old texas billionaire i know i'm just picturing a kid with like a dallas star belt buckle with 200 acres of land do you think he's cute no <laughs> Nah, he probably is he's probably a good looking guy f you you don't get any points <laughs> you got no soul
1: i'm just trying to find <laughs> one suit of those... your uncle i'm just trying to <laughs> i'm just trying to find Ooh, we got another collar let's uh, go yeah, let's keep it going Hello?
6: Hello, hello. Who this? Yo, yo, yo. Who's this? This is uh this is uh Armani from the beautiful city of Roxbury.
0: Hey Armani,
6: what's up man? What up, what up, what up? Is this friend radio? It yes, sure it is. is. Did I do it right?
0: You did it perfect, man. Um, all right, I'm sure everyone who's listening knows your name. But uh, really quickly, Armani, tell uh, the people of Boston who you are.
6: Yeah, so my name's Armani White, and I'm an organizer. And uh, a human being, first off, but an organizer from Roxbury. Um, and yes, I, came, I had a, there was a Plan W meeting today, and then I saw this you know, live video, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll call in and talk about how Plan W I Plan Nubian Square, actually. So. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm Armani White. Um, Organized from Roxbury with the Reclaim Roxbury
0: movement. Um, feel, yeah, definitely like us on Facebook if you have it, on Twitter. And uh, actually, Armani, I plugged uh, your sh- your social event for the um, the campaign you're running on. Hell uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, so real quick, right before you uh, you get into what's going on in uh, Roxbury, uh, tell us, what are you running for uh, and why did you decide to do it? <laughs>
6: Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the plug. I always forget this part. Um, yeah, so I'm also running for, I'm in the running for a democratic state committee for the second suffix. Um, and the democratic state committee seat, if people don't know, this is a democratic state committee. People make up, um, a part of what is the democratic party in Massachusetts, it's like a 200 to 300 person body that decides endorsements, um, the party platform, bylaws, et cetera. Um, and so, myself and a number of other young progressives and um, age strong progressives are uh, trying to join the Democratic State Committee to push the party to adopt the housing platform, which they don't have right now, um, as well as to just do more for the communities that turn out election after election and vote blue. So, I uh, want to make sure to be there, be a good rep for the second Suffolk, um, and make sure the Democrats know what we're doing and know what we want.
0: No, I mean, all props to you for doing that. I mean, that's like the thankless job. It doesn't have any of the sex factor of saying I'm running for state ref or I'm running for state. council. I did not know
1: what state committee was until but, um,
0: a lot of my friends
1: started running for it, so. <laughs>
0: but like, I mean, you know, Massachusetts has been a blue state for so long and just runs off of this like good old network because they know people are going to vote Democrat yep. seven times out of ten yep. and they take all that for granted. And Amani's willing yep. to go in there and do the work and just like edge out these old retirees that have been coasting off this stuff. I love it. Um, I- Amani, do you track what's going on for the D Triple C at like the national level?
6: I am learning. I'm I'm learning as I go. I actually, someone sent me an article today about about there being some uh, some fishiness going on. I know yeah. that they, just, they just had the it has announced all the people mm-hmm. that are going to run the 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 national convention and that a lot of them are like centrist Democrats they're people who aren't who are anti-Bernie in a lot of the, the um, important positions um, without knowing fully exactly who they are and all that that's what I've heard it's um, not exciting and it, and, it, and it makes a young person like me who's trying to do this stuff you know makes me feel like okay um, I gotta fight harder but also like damn these motherfuckers really don't want to see us win uh, yeah, I I, 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 I and I mean, like, we're
0: getting into, like, really nerd stuff, very inside of baseball. But no, bas- I want to know because I'm still learning about this, too. But, but basically, uh, the DCCC, uh, like, the actual, like, corporation of the Democratic Party, they announced who's going to be on their boards for stuff like who's going to set the agenda, who's going to be, like, oversight, and this is all the behind-the-scenes stuff that you can influence democratic primaries and you can influence what's going to happen at the convention and every single person except for one is very anti-bernie and right, a, a lot right. of people are just worried that like they're setting the stage of doing some machinations and some primaries some caucuses we go to a split uh, convention for the democratic party and then the insiders game the system so bernie doesn't get the nomination you yep. got yeah. you're right but that's why I mean, people like Armani willing to go in there because I'm not willing to do it. I'm not dealing with all those people. <laughs> but, um, Armani, tell us. What's it's ho- real. Um, tell us, Armani, tell what's going on in,
6: um, Roxbury? Yeah, so, I mean, other than, um, you know, my campaign, which is fun and people getting people activated to march on Super Tuesday, which, you know, some people might not have, they weren't really excited about there being 11,000, pres- uh, pres- uh, primary sorry democratic candidates for the primary um so i'm hoping to get some folks to come out but beyond that you know oof, what isn't happening in roxbury right um, what i can stick to at least what i just came from today was a meeting around Nubian square i've been going to these meetings for the past five years um what led the reclaim roxbury um, group to, to form um but essentially there's been a planning process for years now where the city has decided to um, has decided with somewhat the um the blessings of the community to start thinking about how um, how they're going to develop public land in Dudley Square, Roxbury area. Now the community has always asked, and when I say that, you know, they get the community kind of like somewhat blessed, the community, Roxbury always wanted to see development, but we don't want to see development um, where we're displaced. We want to, you know, we, we've fought to stay here, we've fought to make the community clean, we fought to stop violence, etc. And now folks want to move in and Pick us out, um, so what we've been doing at these public meetings where the city uh, opened up a space for discussion is um we've come in and said and highlighted how one the discussion could be done better if there was ways and uh if there was better uh intent and uh, intention around getting the average person to come to a meeting, but also just explaining how you know the thirteen percent bare minimum for affordable housing is not gonna fly on public land in Roxbury and you, this is public land that was formerly homes, formerly businesses of. African American, um, European, all types of people that live in Roxbury that was that were knocked down, a lot of them for the um, during urban renewal, um, and then a highway was supposed to be built, and then it wasn't because warriors like Chuck Turner, mm-hmm. R.I.P., um, stopped it. And so now the city's getting ready to develop it um and getting ready to sell that land and we're saying no public land must be used for public good and after a couple years we got the city to agree to build 30 percent uh 30 percent affordable at low incomes 30 percent affordable at mid middle incomes and then 30 percent market rate so 60 percent affordable
4: wow
0: no yeah. di- uh, that that's a huge win man really I uh, like uh, again uh, we discussed the uh, Suffolk Downs development and like they're pushing for like 50% really truly affordable at like a 30% AMI but for you so, all to be able to get 60% uh that's great man that's a win congrats
6: Yeah it's it definitely took all of us it was by no means a you know a single person it was a whole bunch of folks getting together and getting organized and I'm proud of us. We also wanted there to be more deeply affordable housing. To be honest, we're not 100% happy with the outcome. You know, it's 60% affordable overall, but 30% of it is deeply affordable. 30% of it is in middle. But we also understand that, and and people have said this over and over again, that in Roxbury, there's a need not just for deeply affordable, but also for middle income so that folks who are trying to do well and and lift themselves up, if you will, um, they don't have to necessarily move out to stay in the neighborhood. So... Right. I'm, I'm more of a person that there's not enough like, deeply affordable housing because I just see so many people that are already in federally subsidized housing getting evicted and dealing with those issues. But, um, but I think there's, you know, folks want to see a mix. And so, um, yeah, it felt like uh, somewhat of a, of a win for the folks who wanted to see it deeply affordable and somewhat of a win for people
7: um,
6: who wanted to see the middle income. And I think the developers are, um, are being forced to do it. So I don't know if it's a win for them. So.
0: Well, I mean we mentioned this earlier, but either way they're gonna make their money. So Yeah. And it's Oh yeah. It's,
1: I'm not, worried about, I'm not I, worried about them I would rather yeah, I would I would rather see the people who have grown up in the neighborhoods with their families for years and years be able to stay there and have businesses and jobs there as well that pay well and everybody can be happy in their neighborhood. But um I think we all agree with that. But I actually you at the beginning of this conversation said Nubian Square and you're from yeah. Roxbury. I'm from Brighton. That was on the ballot. Yeah. And I was like, I yeah. don't, I, I mean, sure. Like, I don't know why you're asking me in Brighton here. Um, so, can you explain? Is that something mm-hmm. that your group worked towards? Cause just because I
6: still haven't got a totally. straight yeah, answer yeah, from yeah, anybody sure. on that. Yeah, no, I can explain. <laughs> okay. um, so, Reclaim Roxbury was a part of the coalition. We signed on and agreed with the idea of renaming W Square um, after Nubian, like, to rename it Nubian Square to honor Nubian notion which was an afrocentric store owned by african-americans in w square that was priced out and there's now uh, essentially like a tech cashing, uh payday loan place there and it's, okay and it's there oh, and so the community got together and decided yeah we want to want to we need to change this name why do we have a slave owner's name for a I mean um so folks got together and pushed and pushed Siddiki kambon from the um, uh, imani house was one of the organizers he's a long-term uh, a a old-school, long-term organizer from um, from the city. And yeah, all, all together, folks got it to happen. And so the idea was put it on the ballot, have the whole city vote, but then pay attention to the Roxbury area and see what those votes look like. And overwhelmingly folks in Roxbury wanted to see that name change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that voted at least.
1: I mean, I voted yes because, uh, well, I mean, I didn't really know what was going on with that. I'm just this white chicken, Brighton. I don't know. But, you know, uh, I phoned Lee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Lee, what do I do? What is this? He's like, I just voted yes. I'm like, fine, I'll vote yes, too. Um, and I think it really should be up to the pe- Yeah, phone a black yeah. friend. I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like I should be making this decision. But So I was a little surprised that they'd be asking people in, like, the West End well, about renaming a yeah, neighborhood everyone, and a
6: T-stop. You know, I think um, I think the way that this like you know like the tools that a government has to then survey its, its people they had to do it um I, I mean maybe they could have yeah. done it, just Roxbury I don't know, maybe, I don't yeah. know. but I think that they were like this would be an easy way to do it we'll just put it as a citywide referendum and then just look at Roxbury. They probably wanted to get a sense of what the rest of the city thought too, just to get like if it was really start where it was just Roxbury and then everyone else said, no, maybe that might have changed the decision. I don't know I'm not I don't work to the city. Yeah, so oh. I, I'm
0: pretty sure that the actual referendum failed, meaning right. like the majority of people cast a ballot to keep it called Dudley Square, but what Oh they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, which is like it, it's a funny case and I, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised it's like off oh, ed writers of the Globe didn't or the Herald, and I'm sure they did actually. I mean, That's why it. they probably
1: shouldn't have asked the entire city. Well, like, yeah. So the what entire is their city. their opinion the
0: matter? Once like you <laughs> did it, uh, said no, but then when you actually looked at the people in that area, they yeah. overwhelmingly supported it, and so kind of like in a weird way, they went against the general vote. Yeah,
6: they yeah they did they did yep. But I think it was it was up to a close vote. I think it was like uh fifth four. Like it was I think it was closer than what it could have been city-wide so I think that also made made them feel better about changing it because it wasn't overwhelmingly no it was uh it was like no ish and then in Roxbury hell yeah
1: yeah I mean I would just be like what do they want I don't
0: know (laughs) like no yeah exactly my whole thing is okay go through a democratic process yeah within that community let us know if are you violating any human rights right Right. is it a developer
1: that wants to gentrify that's planning this name change for some marketing reason or is it actual people in the neighborhood this was one of my questions about it but i guess uh, yeah, since no, it, was... it was
6: real people okay real that's people.
1: rad that's cool so is that like a... did that get changed
6: yes if you go to google nubian square w square i'm sure you'll find it but if you google nubian square you'll see it's nubian square nice but yeah is, and there's a nubian square coalition if folks want to get involved they're they're looking at okay what do we do now like how do we you know we need to continue this movement and continue this energy and i believe that they have a facebook or there's some there must be a way for them to get in to, uh, there's yeah they have ways for you folks to get involved
1: and so it's named after like a treasured store or space that got pushed out and priced out of yeah. that area and i mean that just rung a bell with me of thinking why don't we rename central square to emf square for all of us who got pushed out of central in cambridge
0: you managed to explain to amadi yeah so uh in cambridge
1: a lot of artists and musicians have been like priced out of our spaces a lot you know the middle east is about to get bought we're going to talk about that um no one can afford to live there and now nobody can afford to make art there we've been pushed out to somerville here um and but there was like a whole treasured community in central square that a lot of us kind of grew up in and if you can rename something out of after a store that has been priced out in memory of it. Maybe we <laughs> could do that.
6: All the more power to you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm just dreaming over here. Yeah. And but... actually, uh,
0: um, I'm on the... no, I Um, I yeah. may, I may have seen your photo in this, or so maybe you promoted this or not. But I'm pretty sure that also as part of this, they're doing almost like what I would call political education. Like they're doing community education around the square itself, around Nubian, around the community. Have you attended any of those? Yeah.
6: I have not been able to attend any of the most recent ones. I've attended ones in the past, but um, if your question is like whether or not they're holding like community meeting spaces to make it like a democratic process. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, As you know, you can probably tell I'm super busy but um i try to make those uh, i think it's a really important thing for folks to have um like community spaces named after them them, and and not be named after people who enslaved them um so while i may not have been like a like one of the lead organizers i'm all for it and love that it happened
0: yeah definitely it's great for the square and i mean you do a lot of incredible work around uh housing in roxbury i know you and i have worked on a lot of uh Coalitions. Is there anything else that you think people should be made aware of? Things
6: going under the radar? Um, let me think. You know, in, in general, folks should just stay aware of what's happening locally. I mean, if I, if I was to share anything with, with listeners, I would say just get involved. If there's a local neighborhood group, get involved. Um, ask hard questions when you can. Uh, make sure to check your voter registration so you can vote March third. Um, and if you live in my and if you live in the second Suffolk, vote for your boy Armani. Um, And, yeah, just, I mean, get involved in the movement to to make the world a better place. There's there's a lot of space in that movement for a lot of people. You need all hands on deck. So that's the last thing I want to say is, folks, everyone just get involved. Um, You know, we're the ones we've been waiting for, so just got to do it.
1: Oh, that phrase always scares me. I'm <laughs> like, we're really the ones we've been waiting for? Oh, God, look
6: at us. Right? Like, I have control of my future? What? what? Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> oh, God. But uh, for everyone out there, again, once you vote for Bernie for the Democratic primary in Massachusetts, you're going to see, hey. lo- see a lot of other questions that, like, I don't even know what the other stuff on the ballot. But I know who to look for. And when I see Armani White's name, I'm just going to give a little check. So everyone go oh. out there and do that. Make sure we actually have good people so we're not getting scammed by the democratic party
6: yes but, um, a white for dsc.com
1: and this is democratic state committee
6: Yep, not Republican.
1: Not Republican. <laughs>
0: uh, awesome. I, know, I see. I might try to do the same thing, but with the Republican Party, and just try to take that over and make a little <laughs> because trust like I said,
1: me, all the
6: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they have no talent. You can that.
1: pass as a Republican. I can
6: absolutely pass for a Republican. No wait, there's, there's a there's someone who has a paid Facebook ad on uh, about Democratic State Committee Republican is a young young man, young white man. You should definitely hit him up. See oh, if you know, see I, think, about.
1: I think I've seen his ad. I think I've, I might have liked him and friended him. Is it like Thomas something? Yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's, but, it's, yeah not it's, not your, it's not your district, but like, dude, this guy's like got boosted posts and ads yeah, on Facebook. Saying, he's can you everywhere. He's
0: paying for Facebook ads for Republicans. Oh, he thing. looks dude, like. Dude, like, this. Uh, I don't know, that's pathetic, but. You he know looks like I, exactly no,
6: literally, the kind of guy who people, would do that. People, yeah, people said, like, dude, there's literally a thousand voters. You could yeah. just. Uh, you're bet you're better off just door knocking those those uh those people than spending yeah. money on a Facebook ad. Yeah, go on yeah.
0: Craigslist, hire four people to pretend to be your friends, <laughs> and just have them knock doors for two hours, and you win.
1: I'm not even sure. Yeah. it. I'm not sure. He Thomas has. Leonard. Thomas Leonard. He's <laughs> Tom- everywhere. Yes, I've been seeing him. I've been wondering about this. All
0: right, maybe we'll try to we'll, we'll hit him up. We'll see if we can have him call. Oh my Larry God! Look at him with his little golden in, retriever,
1: uh, yellow lab, and his suit and there his. There you go.
0: But uh. Ahmadi, thanks for calling in, man. All the best. I'm sure I'll see you Thank soon. You, All right. to work. you All right. too, man. Ladies Thank you. Yeah, that's my buddy Ahmadi. I think I mentioned him a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, we hung there?
1: out with Bernie. Cardboard guy oh, yeah. together. Oh, yeah. I to
0: tell Ahmadi to come to the is um, doing the Iowa watch party. Iowa caucus watch but party. But we're doing a show. And we're doing the show. Next Monday's going to be lit. Okay. Next Monday's going to be awesome.
1: Okay, you're going to the party and then come to the show?
0: Yes, I'm going to set up the party. I'm going to hang out to make sure it's going well. I'm going to make sure that people like give or get involved in DSA and all the stuff we have going on. Hop it on the red line, come in here, and then we get to do a national show.
1: Okay, next week's going to be big, folks. Um, I'm, I'm more week, upset that I'm, I'm missing a... A party! Oh my God! Look at the
0: look at the comments on this Thomas Leonard for State committees. We should uh, hit him up. Like, uh, I, I bet you if we asked him to come on, like to, uh, I mean, yeah, no, we Republican. could. I, we could. I don't want him in studio. Really but look, Republican. look at this. Oh. It's like all
1: DSAers
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: commenting on his stuff. Like, why do I keep seeing this ad? That's awesome. Oh, uh, this is yeah, funny. Um, you know the Bernie Army, like the Bernie Bros. Yeah, just keep it up. But no, that's great. I bet you if we hit this kid up. He would, um, absolutely call in, talk about being a member of the Republican Party it's in Massachusetts. On the
1: agenda. Um, okay. man, sucks to be him. That's all I got to say. But,
0: uh, <laughs> um, um, What do you feel like going into? Uh, so
1: we were talking about, there was, I had like a few thoughts I wanted to talk about. Oh, state committee. Still not quite sure what they do.
0: But, so, um, if you are around tomorrow, it's going to actually be a very hot ticket to get into. But Harvard, if you just look into um, Harvard for Bernie on Facebook, they're having an event tomorrow, and there's going to be a lot of speakers, a lot of surrogates. Uh, Cornel West will be there, Michael Brooks is somebody who I follow a lot, and um, this woman who just actually started her own podcast, Nomiki uh, Konst, and she was like a Democratic insider who basically got so sick about how it's just like all like a scam they're all corporate they all take money they're all lobbyists and she she talks a lot about like the inside workings of the democratic party okay and and a lot of people who through 2016 was saying like they're rigging it against bernie they're rigging it against bernie she was the person who was basically just being like yes they are and like here's how you can like rig a primary and so like that's what these people really do is like you have enough power to be able to swing a few percentages. Like you can have like what they did in Iowa. They had smaller caucuses. They shut down as many as they had so that that way you couldn't have as many people flood in. It's almost like shutting down voting locations so you have smaller turnout. Right. That's what the Democratic Party was doing in Iowa in 2016 against Bernie. And so that's why seats like what Armani was running for are very important okay because you can fight against that type of stuff so
1: uh we actually have a few other friends who are running for democratic state committee who else dan Totten.
0: oh i thought i saw
1: that today yeah dan Totten, the man himself i finally get to well actually i am not in his district so i unfortunately do not get to vote for him for state committee because he is in cambridge alston i think a few areas chelsea everett um, if Sal Domenico is your state senator, you can vote for our friend Dan Totten, straight out of Cambridge, for Democratic, straight, uh, Democratic State Committee. <laughs> not the Democratic State Committee, um, <laughs> but uh, he's running for, the I guess, the same kind of position that Armani's running for, and uh, of course has a lot of support because he's been like a huge activist for many years, and I was really excited to vote for him, but I'm not in his district. It's just like Jordan Meehan. Yeah. I'm like being, I'm being gerrymandered out of being able
0: to vote for all the cool
1: races. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean. (laughs) So,
1: Danton's running for a Democratic State Committee. If you're in Cambridge, if you're in Alston, if you're in. Something that
0: we're going to have to do is actually like put out like a voter guide for March 3rd.
1: Yeah, we really do. (laughs) Because like so many of our friends are running like and oh a new announcement uh we don't have him on as guest yet but we can tease it because i probably will my old friend from high school danilo cena is running for middlesex state rep uh 37th district acton boxborough hudson that's where i grew up um worked for jamie eldridge for many years really good progressive brazilian american um so excited for this this race i i'm extremely happy for acton uh jen benson's stepping down so he'll be running and uh, i encourage everybody to support him we'll probably have him on as a guest in the near future because uh, we definitely want to talk about what's going on in acton i know it's not boston but
0: it's close enough there's 160
1: state reps and but i'm from there so it matters to me
0: there you go and it's your show so we just do an acton hour and just throw off the
1: acton activism
0: hour yeah so we have from now until march 3rd to then yes. promote obviously bernie and then oh you haven't made your endorsement yet yeah, but maybe that will come next week
1: i'm still i'm still debating oh
0: yeah i am kind Keep of bernie on and the, tom steyer
1: i really love tom steyer okay he is like my favorite awkward dude yeah. at a party like i evan will attest to this i text him at all hours with like pictures and gifts of tom steyer tom dancing steyer. or like his like ties or his belt and i'm just like dude tom steyer's belt for president like I, I he's just such a Bernie fanboy, and um, I'm a sucker for entertainment. That's why I loved Marianne Williamson. If she was still running, I would totally endorse
0: that Orb Queen. Um, she still hasn't officially endorsed Bernie.
1: I thought I know I, I fed you fake news. I'm
0: sorry. No, no. She will. She will. Um, I'll be very disappointed if she doesn't. But. But it's... yeah, I,
1: I kind of I'm I'm digging Tom Steyer's vibe right now.
0: Everyone, this is parody. I do not sign off this at all. This guy's going through a midlife crisis. His wife left him. He spent, I don't know, let's say $150 million on TV ads. Um, and the only thing he has going for him is he's like trying to...
1: He's like, hi, Bernie.
0: He'll, yeah, I mean... And
1: Bernie's like, oh, fine. And it's like, uh, I think that you know Hillary was tweeting or saying that, oh, no one likes Bernie. I don't know. And he's like, I like Bernie. And He might be setting up like... a
0: run for like California Senate, to be honest, but tom steyer drop out pick three states hit us up and i can tell you where to put half of the money you're currently spending and you can control the u.s senate no no
1: no. tom steyer listen to me you're killing it right now (laughs) i am i am so entertained Um, um i would like for you to keep dancing uh especially like you did this is all
0: a teaser all next monday this is what we're gonna do we're just doing national stuff. Okay. I'm forgetting about Boston. I do okay. to go off on all national politics. Oh,
1: it's your show now, huh?
0: For the Iowa caucus. Okay. We might. We might just. That have is to so. Like pull the reins over. I was like, you I... can control Boston, but like for the Iowa, I own okay. Iowa. Okay.
1: It's funny. Uh, we were talking about like state committees and caucuses and whatnot, and um, I, I don't. I don't actually. What is a caucus?
0: Uh, so a primary is very similar to how we vote for the other elections. You go into the little booth, you buy yourself, you circle the circle, you give it to somebody next to a police officer for some reason, they scan it through. A caucus is like blood sport. I wish we had a caucus so much. You just, everyone gets like, say, all right, if you live in this area, go to this gymnasium and everyone floods the gymnasium and then all the people on the ballot, they have surrogates who get to give like a two to five minute speech. And then you like you do four corners like in elementary school, like everyone who agrees with me come stand by me. Everyone who agrees with this person go stand by that person. and they literally just count the people and if you don't have up to I think it's fifteen percent of the people in that gym, then you get to now pick another person to go to. So then you get to like lobby, you get to start like yelling at people like Jim, I thought we were buddies, like come over here. Oh my god, I would love it. It'd oh. just be like, don't go with that person, like X, Y, and Z. It sounds like
1: it sounds like a political Red Rover.
0: Basically, it's like
1: Red Rover, yeah. Red Rovers. Jim Class, <laughs> send with,
0: Armani White over. With global consequences.
1: Oh my gosh, that is so Caucasian.
0: It is. Maybe that's where they got the phrase.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. All right. Very quick history, and then you want to go into Charlie Baker's video?
1: Yes. Let's, okay. Oh
0: God. Do we? Okay. Um, I was in a good mood Curve, do you have uh, the? Okay But very quickly So the Iowa caucus I, I mean I think we've only Actually been having An actual primary system For maybe 40-50 years Before that, It was just like People with cigars And smoke back rooms The Iowa caucus Wasn't a thing Until Jimmy Carter In like the later uh, 1970s his heart? Like no one cared About Iowa Because I mean And I hate I, I don't know if we have Any listeners in Iowa It's kind of useless as like a state it grows a lot of corn which is awesome but politically doesn't have any real power so they would do this little cute caucus nobody cared new hampshire was the head primary but then jimmy carter this like rando surprise won and then they were like oh my god this is huge and because that got so much attention now iowa has such a focus so it's all jimmy's kind of fault
1: he didn't mean to
0: that's a sweet guy he meant well maybe on one of the episodes we get to talk about national politics talk with jimmy connor but all right but since we're, this is the boston episode um, apparently so
1: we're, we're doing a national episode next week and i'm just getting consulted about this now I re-
0: it's the iowa caucus oh my god it's the iowa caucus i get to be indulged do you know how much of a restraint it's been to do a political show and not get to talk about national politics
1: okay you can have your caucus yeah
0: I mean, I know it's like kind of your birthday. Or no, that's, the, week no the weekend after is yeah, my birthday. Okay.
1: Also, uh, we're planning a big party here at the station. All my listeners are invited already um, on my birthday, February 9th. We'll figure it out. Just throwing it out there.
0: Okay. Um, do you have it at like 22 minutes? Okay, so this is just to reset the entire thing, talking about housing in Boston, talking about housing crisis across Massachusetts. What is Charlie Baker's plan to address housing?
8: affordable workforce and transit-oriented housing. 18 months ago, you passed and we signed the largest housing bond bill in state history. Homeless families are being supported in more appropriate settings, which is why virtually all of the hotels and motels that used to shelter homeless families have been retired. We are making progress, but demand is outpacing supply. The result? Families are forced to rent substandard housing or move further away from jobs, and seniors either move out or face financial ruin. (coughs) Our current zoning laws are not working. They're a wall between the well-off and the up-and-coming. They punish families and young people who are not already in the market, and they make it almost impossible for local communities to do what makes sense for their residents. Now, we talk a lot about the need for greater equity these days, but a proposal that removes the single greatest barrier to housing that families can afford has been sitting under review for years. We say we want to make Massachusetts more affordable, and yet thousands of units of desperately needed housing get majority support from their local communities, only to fail to be built, because current zoning laws require a supermajority vote. Now, I get that some advocates think our housing production bill is too much and that others think it's not enough. What I know for sure is doing nothing. Maintaining the status quo has been hurting families for years. (coughs) For the sake of our communities, our young people, our seniors and our families, let's find the common ground on housing policy that must be in here somewhere. And
5: let's get this one done
1: it sounded like a whole lot of nothing
0: so and that was like the spiciest part of i think that whole thing was like 40 minutes oh. and i sat through the entire thing god at least marty walsh named some numbers he like he does in other areas and like the first thing he said was this is the largest in state history which again as very similar to Suffolk downs it's because every year just through inflation things become more expensive the number gets higher the actual relative number sometimes decreases which is what we fight against here but i always love how they get to say this is the most we've ever spent in history it's like yeah dude because there's like a four percent how much did
1: he say they're spending
0: um for actual um affordable i i forget the number and whatever he said is probably like a random statistic that only highlights like the one specific development.
1: I don't know, it it all sounded very vague.
0: Um, but he did a lot of the common tropes that we use, which is, oh, demand is outpacing supply. This is all a demand versus supply problem. And this is all about his housing policy, which again is about making it easier so you don't need a two-thirds majority of a city council to pass a zoning law, you only need
1: 50-50. Is that a bad thing?
0: Yes. So if we just had that, then every city, if they decide to build housing, they're not going to decide to build affordable housing because it's not in the city's tax interest. So they can just override stuff a lot easier. So it's more they can either override affordable housing easier or they can pass luxury housing easier. So no matter what way, no local small community is going to willingly say, yeah, let's have a bunch of poor people come in. That's going to be awesome. It's going to say, yeah, you want to build that mansion on top of the hill so that, like, your two rich kids can bus to a a private helicopter to a private school? Sure, absolutely have fun. So the only housing that will ever come out of this is going to be in the local city's interest, and that will only be luxury development that's just the status world great but uh did you hear what he thought the divide was where it came to housing he said it quickly and i got to listen to this so i know what it is
1: the well off and the i feel like this is a pop quiz was it it was something it was like up and coming yes so yeah there everybody is supposed to think they're gonna be Rich someday. Exactly. And vote yep, in only, that the,
0: interest. We, we don't have an upper class and a lower class. We only have billionaires and, and people who will future be a billionaire. Right? That's what you we have you might America. win the
1: lottery someday,
0: guys. Exactly. Just keep
1: playing. Just keep playing.
0: And it's like that spectrum of like, okay, well, what about the fact that uh, millennials are down, downwardly mobile? We're not ascending. Right. We're literally descending yeah. relative to our parents. whole our life expectancy is decreasing. Downward what spiral. What about people who have lived in the most marginalized communities who have always been at the very bottom? Like they're not up and coming because, again, for them, they're not part of this marketplace. Yeah, and and that eventually just gets to like
1: that's like that hope and dream, hopeful, dreamy, like American dream. You too can have it. Keep uh, working for that minimum wage and keep, uh, you know, like. Believing in your boss, and
0: there was, um, oh, it's all a lie. There's this great book that came out probably 10 years ago. I don't know. And like, the central thesis is what is like the most destructive part of American society is our optimism. Yeah, like, when you poll Americans versus any other country and you say, if you work hard, can you get ahead? If you work hard, can you have a better life for yourself and your family? We are the highest top of the charts When people say, yes, if you you work hard, like the system is made so we live in a meritocracy. People who work hard, you can get ahead, people who don't work hard, they go to the bottom. And again, we're not talking about individuals, everyone listening, go work hard. That's not what I'm, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that like a national level, we believe as Americans, that the system has problems, but it works, meaning
1: it works for the upper class.
0: Yes but exactly but like but if you just poll people they believe still in the meritocracy of america they believe that if you work hard you'll get ahead so oh we have billionaires oh they worked hard but that you know was, what i'm gonna be a billionaire tomorrow yeah
1: that was and then they vote in the interests of billionaires and not themselves too it's or, like you're or poor. more likely
0: they just don't vote
1: or, yeah that too well i mean a lot there's a lot of poor people who voted for trump and i don't understand it but um, like you're not one of them. You're one of us, guys. Like, like, are you struggling? Why are you voting for somebody who has no empathy for you? Um, but I think that there was a time where working hard could get you ahead or at least stable. If you are of a certain for a select group of yes. society, and you know, I am a descendant of that select group of society, as where I. As you as know I. we are, you know, our family had that. But I think even at least in my family, those people are actually starting to see that it's not the case for our generation. Yeah, because we have to keep
0: asking them for money.
1: If they give it to you, you're lucky. Um, I'm just poor all the time, but uh, they, uh, it's sort of, yeah, they'll help, you know, but it's it's also like, even, you know, people, I was always taught that, right? Work hard, you'll get ahead. That's true to some extent, but man, a couple little setbacks can really derail you for life. Whether, no matter what demographic you are, and it's even worse if you aren't, like, white and middle class. It's, it's even worse if you are poor and, you know, a person of color. Anyway, It's just, um, and people do get ahead. And people hold them up as success stories. Oh, this is like a symbol of what America can be. Look, this person came from nothing, pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. But should we have to?
0: Absolutely not. All awesome. <laughs> so the, the number is 6%. 6% of people who are born in what we'll call the lower class, you know, you grew up in a family that's, like, around $25,000, uh, $30,000 a year, 6% of uh, that population will make it to above 6 figures. And so, and as you were just saying, what we do is we create Disney movies above those that 6%. Right. It's like, see, if this person can do it, then the system works. Right. When in reality one is an incredible amount of luck or maybe uh you were just born in a very specific environment you had somebody who could like i don't know you had the
1: right mentor the right family the right you had to have skill. a lot of
0: breaks go for you
1: yeah
0: and like the other thing you said is about like one mistake and your whole life is derailed it's almost like in video games where like uh, like the rest of us are working with just like one full health bar it's just like every hit you take gets you closer and closer to zero and then it's like the upper middle class, they have like a health potion where they have like the health bar, but then it's also turns into like a different color. So like first you have to deplete that color before you get to the health bar. Right. And then like the upper classes, they're just on easy mode. Uh, they're just like infinite health. And then and and it, there's just no consequences. Yeah, that and, then,
1: and then when you get to like low health, you know, like the sides of the screen start flashing red and you hear the heartbeat in the background and everything is like all trauma all the time because you're about to die all the time forever because you were once about to die. And um, it it makes everything, like, way harder to exist (laughs) Um, if we're going to go in that video game. I was going to say, eventually,
0: we're going to do a video game episode.
1: Probably. Yeah. We got to get... So, we might do a fundraiser for a DDR machine for the station. If you guys want to donate for my
0: birthday. What was the name of the Congo things we were doing yesterday? Hey, what was that
1: game we were playing?
0: What was the Congo... It was like some definitely, we had a taiko drum, definitely a tycho drum we got in trouble for copyright infringement that, that game awesome. definitely had copyright infringement <laughs>
1: yeah so uh just newsflash i love rhythm games uh i i want to have a ddr machine in here it's one of my favorite pastimes i'm also extremely good at any sort of game like rock band or a beat saber would be amazing um we would love to get some machines to the station and have a party.
0: Oh my god, if you all out there got us Beat Saber.
1: Ugh, god, donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash rentersradio, and we will have a DSA Beat Saber party.
0: Just that, saying. No, that'd be absolutely sick. I know, it'd be so sick. Um, so, Baker did go into one thing that we're gonna have to, like, send out the bat signal, because I want uh, some more people to weigh in on it, which is, like, the different environmental policy legislations that are going through the House right now. So, like, he announced, like, there's, like, three very, uh, very like, ambitious bills, well, again, his language is not mine, addressing, like, what is the climate crisis? And, like, the goal is to get it to 2050 carbon net zero. And I forget who, but, like, one of his aides was just, like, this is the most ambitious plan in the world. And then, I mean, nobody, I think, pushed her on it, but afterwards, people were just, like, well, you know, there's already two countries on the planet that have negative net emissions. Meaning they absorb more carbon out of the air than they put into it. Uh, let, let, let me bring them up. And then there's like six other countries that have much more ambitious uh, carbon emissions. Uh, so Baker's plan is 2050, quote unquote. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to the show, you know it's almost kind of the uh, global consensus that we need to have net zero by 2030, 2032. So he's about 20 years off. I think when we had Jordan on, Jordan talked about getting it right. to 2032. So, because, again, that's what... We're Massachusetts. We can do that. Oh, everyone can do it. It's, it's a matter of political will. Um, I'm going to mess up the pronunciation <coughs> of the two countries. You want to give it a shot? Surname
1: and Butan. Very good. They have negative... Population 10. <laughs> Sorry. Shout out to the... Surinames and Butanians.
0: Um. Hey, I'm saying that there's already two countries on the planet where they absorb more carbon out of the air than get out. So you don't get to use the, the statistic that we are the most ambitious plan ever developed. Okay. Because we already got two that beat that. We already have uh, Norway is 20 years uh, less than that, Uruguay 20 years less, uh, Finland 15 years less, Iceland 10. So no, we do not get props for being the most ambitious.
1: I, so I. I'm all for green initiatives and stuff
0: like that. Oh, I, that's such a great way to start a sentence. I right, keep going.
1: I am like the I'm ye of little faith. I don't I don't I just I don't think we have the political will to do it. Um, and I am hesitant to do anything that will negatively infect affect uh, poor people, like plastic bag bans that just make everyone's life annoying and harder. Or just sort of like, I don't want this burden to be put on people who are broke. Uh, So I get hesitant to really embrace climate change initiatives or laws, especially in Massachusetts where it's a lot of like upper class neoliberals writing them because I feel like, is this going to put the burden on people who are already burdened? I kind of care about feeding everyone, housing everyone first. So, I mean, it really depends on how you fund it and, and how it's done. Um, but I, I am nervous about it. I feel like climate change is a bougie issue. At the end of the day, I really do. I really think it's a bougie thing to care about.
0: Okay, you threw so much at me. One, you are absolutely right that a lot of the things get labeled as environmental policy is regressive, directed at the working class. And this is what we talked about with like the gas tax. They'll say, "No, this is what we need for the environment." But one. It's not nearly enough to actually address the larger issues of uh, the climate crisis. And it's just targeted towards poor working class. Yeah. So we have to be very careful when we use the language. Like,
1: what are these countries doing that is actually making them have a more ambitious plan? Like, what is that actually? You know, we'd have to go into what that looks like for me to be less skeptical so of it.
0: I think so. We're going to do a whole episode. Of, well,
1: I have to do a green episode.
0: But there are are ways of doing it because the basic fact is that the people that will be the most affected by the climate crisis are the poor are yeah. the working class, and so we have to address it and now we get to your point which is how do we address it do, do we put additional burdens on the lifestyle of the um low-income working class while we let the rich just do whatever get all in the name of, of, envi- of environmentalism or do we have actually large-scale structural reforms and we're going to have people that actually talk about that in better detail uh, than I can. Even though we should even go off on it. Oh, they're trying to tax my nips. Oh, man. Wait, your nips? <laughs> do you know what a nip is? I do know what a nip is. Herb, do you know what nips are? You can cut diamonds with them. Come on. Yeah, Herb <laughs> just whipped out like six smyr and six <laughs> nips. Um, So, just what we Wait, were talking- Wait, are you
1: buying nips? That is such a waste of money. <laughs> all right that is so economically inefficient evan
0: okay you know what just throwing that liberal condescending tone if you're average. gonna
1: get alcohol be efficient about it Be efficient. just carry right. a handle in your backpack no, this, is, this is something
0: that i share with just some of my uh, local friends but they're um thinking about taxing nips which they don't currently do which is not the biggest thing it's like a five or ten cents tax but again absolutely directed towards the low uh yeah the world class, the working class of our society in the name of environmentalism. Uh,
1: Which, are, are nips that, like I mean they're ugly to see littered on the ground, the fallen soldiers and fireball, they are. walking home from work and on so, the train tracks, so like, but does that, how many turtles does that kill? Like, I don't
0: no, know. no, no, I mean, so the, and this is, this is horrible, but you know how we have like a bottle deposit? Yeah. On like cans and stuff? <sighs> how we do that is we say you have a five cents <coughs> tax on all this. But if you return it, you can get that five cents back.
1: Yeah, but that's not for me to return. That's for the people who come up the street and collect the cans No,
0: so exactly. And that's what kind of makes this like a, what is, again, just creating a subclass of people that have to depend on this because we don't have an actual social safety net. And so what this will inevitably do is similar to what we have with cans, which again, if you live in Boston, you live in an urban city, you have people, and I'm sure you've seen them, who during, on trash day that night when people have their trash cans on the curb, they'll come around with like a, a basket yeah. and they'll go through it. That's why
5: you
1: always separate your bottles yes.
0: from your actual recycling so they can just grab it easier. Yeah, there you go. And and so, and then they take it and these are the people that they have to rely on that just to get through the day, just to get to the end of the day so they're hoping they can get enough uh, food and calories to make it if they're lucky to find shelter. And that's why I like... Policies like this, guys. Did all right. We have to address the climate crisis. What are we gonna do? Oh, let's put a, 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 a the bottle deposit the on these nips so that one of those poor people can come pick it up. Because I, because I don't want to see it. I'm walking around in the park. You know what would be a better a
1: better policy is refillable nips. So if you brought empty nips right, to talking, a liquor now store, you're my language. yeah, <laughs> if you brought your empty nips to a liquor store, you would get a discount on a refill, Um and then. I, I don't mean to cut people out of the bottle return bonus. I guess you can still do that with cans, but in terms of like, you know, maybe all the nips would be glass and you can go bring it to a liquor store.
0: Yeah, like those, uh, what are they called, growlers?
1: Yeah, like a growler or something. Uh, I'm sure there's like so many regulations that don't make that legal, but Herb.
0: Growlers is a great band.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to growlers. Shout out, Nips are great too, um, in general.
0: I like nips. My, my friends and I grew up on nips. Do you think I'm paying... 12.50 for a Bud Light at Fenway, yeah, I don't think so. Packing some nips. Yeah. Um, I'm You're so doing gl- it wrong. <laughs> I'm so glad I got to go into that story. Um, See, right, I so- prefer
1: just like a bottle, like a like a water bottle full of like rosé,
0: rosé all day,
1: rosé all day.
0: Um, do you want to get into what is actually like the saddest thing that kind of happened this week? Can you pass me a beer? Yeah, we can do that. Um, so while we were on air last, wait week, we're
1: not talking about Kobe, are we?
0: no okay, no, we're gonna um rest in peace co- collectively as uh I' don't know the lead of development, Lauren, we decided not to discuss uh, I can't the Kobe thing we're gonna let people sit with that process it in their own way and however, um last episode, right before we went live with. Jordan, or I guess we were live, I kind of mentioned, like, oh, there's, like, a breaking news segment. There is this student from Iran who's currently right. being held, and he had a valid visa, all that stuff. I think he's been a student at Northeastern for a few years, but they, um, husband and border patrol were detaining him, going to deport him back. Luckily, I think a few dozen people were able to make it to Logan Airport. It created enough noise that they were able to get a judge on the phone, then like stay the order like stop uh the deportation right. we're gonna have a hearing the next day we're gonna talk about this you know what happened like an hour later
1: they took him anyway
0: yeah they sent him anyway yeah and
1: is that a violation of the constitution
0: um you always ask me to reframe it back to the constitution so
1: like can they do that they, i guess they did
0: there's two different ways I want to address it. Okay. There's how the media covered this. Some media covered this. And there's that larger point. Let's just go into the larger point. Our entire system, and we're not going to go too much into what's going on at the national level, but our entire system really is based on buy-in. That... The certain segments of our government have to accept, okay, you say this, so then we'll do this. And if we say this, you'll do this. When you have a a position where a federal judge says, do not deport that person, and then you have elements of what is your executive branch, your enforcers say, nah, F you, we're going to deport them. What are you going to do about it? You're going to call the cops? We are the police. (laughs) So scary. No, it, it really is and very quickly to highlight this from like an immigration level for all those people out there that think well why don't they just follow the rules why don't they just stand in line because it doesn't matter
1: yeah he stood in line he followed the rules this
0: kid did everything right and this kid is just one of tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands if not millions that follow the rules everyone who signed on to the dreamer program that was promised oh come to us make yourself unknown You'll be put into this category as a dreamer, and then you'll be okay. You'll be able to get X, Y, and Z. The second Trump rescinds that, now you have an entire executive of these hot dog neck CBD guys who have all of your information. They know where you live. They know who you are. They know every element of your family because you registered with the state. Right. And so the people that actually follow the system are the easiest to target, and that's why they target these people. And so what happens when you live in a society where your executive, again, the police, the enforcement, just say, oh, a judge said that? Ah, you know what? doesn't matter. We're going to send it back. What are you going to do about it?
1: That's actually not, they're not supposed to be a personal army of the executive branch.
0: No, they're not. But, like at all. Like they're supposed like to do what Not the judge to tie is it too much to national stuff, but like what happens when, um, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, William Barr who was like the head attorney general of the United States just says, Oh no, I side with him. Like I'm not investigating my president. He's my president. Right. I'm the highest um, investigative body. What are you going to do about it? Right. And the answer is nothing. Cause we don't have anything after that. It Well, we do in terms of a legislature, I mean, like but Supreme if the legislature Court, is divided amongst right. uh, such partisan divides, that that doesn't matter anymore. Then you, then we don't have an accountability structure. And at the end of the day, all you have is the people with the guns and
1: I that's guess, dark.
0: Yes. And again, they target the most marginalized people of our society because then that creates that window and everyone buys into it and everyone says, oh, that's okay. And uh, WBUR News, like one of Boston's flagship things. Is it our girl again? This is not our girl. Oh, um,
1: actually, I know that girl.
0: So but... the writer of this piece, um, Shannon Dooling, and but I, like, I have to be fair. Uh, The writers of articles don't get to create the title of the article. Okay. Like, the um, editors get to do that, because, like, they get to make sure it's something that's, like, a little maybe clickbaity, or it's a little bit edgy. Right, because there's totally Hezbollah in that title. (laughs) Yes, there is. And I think I I tweeted at her about it. I mean, it was more of, like, I just said, this is a disgusting article written by blank. However, I guess, again, I'm going to just be honest. (laughs) Shannon. I know you, you didn't actually write the... Um, it's okay. know you did. Well, I mean, but the article still speaks to this. The article still leads with it at the beginning, and it still does this narrative. So, at the end of the day, you're an adult. You are uh, accountable. So, the student who did everything right, here's how... And then, after a federal judge said, do not deport, these five guys just decided, oh, F you. We don't actually have, have to follow your rules. Right. Like We are the enforcement. This is the headline that our media, which is WBUR, is a liberal media station. U.S. official claims deported Iranian mm. student's family has ties to the Revolutionary Guard, Hezbollah. So, Hezbollah, what? So, so again, it's oh, it's devoid of all context. Yeah. And it's just oh, you know what? But like, but the police said that he was a bad guy. So, so we have to trust them, right? And to write that article and to just pretend that you don't know the climate of what's going on. Right. That, like, you don't know that Trump ran ads saying that stop all uh, Muslim in- immigration. To pretend you don't know there's concentration camps on the southern border. To pretend that you don't know that children are being ripped from their families' arms.
1: Anybody could be claimed to be in the family of somebody
0: in the yeah, revolutionary guard or Hezbollah. This grew up in Iran. The Revolutionary Guard is a wing of the Iranian military. So that's like saying this, guy, this kid who grew up in this country, one of his family members is a member of their military, which right. over here we're supposed to praise and say that that must be you're from an honorable family. <laughs> right. But over there, that means even if you followed the system, again, not even going through a judicial process of trying to figure that out because the kid had a court hearing the next day. And the and, kid had a valid visa. Yeah, and he had a valid visa. A valid visa. reason to be here. But, but this is what the media does which is they're so obsessed. One, they don't add context, which is why you all listen to this show, because we actually contextualize stuff, because at the beginning it should be, why should we trust the Customs and Border Patrol, even though they've been claimed to have over a thousand sexual assaults of women and children in their custody, that they are part of a military fascist wing to marginalize immigrants. Like, why would you run this article when you have this kid who's just trying to go to school here?
1: And how many more like him that... But... Yeah.
0: That, again, because luckily, I don't know, this lawyer knew who to contact, and then it got to do the ripple of Twitter, and, like, that's how we advertised it. But, uh, Herb, do you have that third clip I sent? Yep. So I clipped this months ago.
1: This didn't happen months ago, Evan.
0: No, no, no. This article happened um, just last week. Yeah. The article I have, oh, the little audio, I clipped, like, it might have been even before I met you. No, it was like a little bit after that. But it was, it ties into this. It ties into the news media willing to champion this ride, this military takeover, this rise of fascism. And this is from people that we use a lot of their interviews that we did.
1: Shannon Dooling, what the hell? The
5: editorial board of the New York Times. And probably is going to be known soon. It's going to be yeah. hard to oh, pull yeah. off this book and remain anonymous. Who was the other guy, Rick Klein? Joe Klein. Joe, Joe Klein. Klein. Joe Klein. Joe Klein. yeah. 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 Um, but anyway... About Clinton, about, yeah, about fictionalized yeah. Clinton.
7: Yeah. This,
5: this person was talking about that that other people in the close circle around the president were were uh, preventing him from his worst instincts. You know, mm-hmm. like the great Gary Cohn story about how he was supposed to sign some bill and it was so outrageous, whatever he was going to do. It
7: sanctions against South, South Korea. Yeah. And he goes into the president... This is not in the... Uh, in the Herb, uh,
0: can you stop it real quick? Kind of All right, just to set this up, this is from uh, WBUR... And what they're discussing about is uh, Trump at, like, the federal level just talking about one of these, like, insider books. Yeah,
1: I, that was the book that was saying that there was a bunch of people trying to kind of hold him back. Yes. And then somebody people sent, apologized later for even, like,
0: saying that was an option. Um, somebody sent, like, an editorial to right. the New York Times being, like, we are the resistance. Yeah, so and then people...
1: later on he's like, never mind, we couldn't do it. We're all
0: screwed. <laughs> people inside. So so they're referring to this book and, like, clips from the book that I came up. What's talking about...
7: Uh, Cohn knew what a disaster was going to be, and so he's, when the president is not there, he sneaks into the president's office and Stances takes the document yeah. off his desk. Yeah. Yeah. Right,
5: and he wouldn't even know what was missing.
7: Well, so, that, that was the point, that <laughs> in, he forgot about it. That's September exactly what they said. Yeah. of
5: 2018, the anonymous op-ed writer said that don't, not, we shouldn't be panicked here in the United States because there are adults in the room, but at the time that he wrote this, There were some. We had Don McGahn, yeah. the, the lawyer who kept yep, yep. the president from breaking the law even more Mm -hmm. than he already did with obstruction of justice. Uh, Mattis Mattis. was there. Uh, John Kelly was there. Uh, Gary Cohn Cohn was there for at least part of the time. I'm not sure who else might have been there. Yeah, it's almost quaint by comparison. It's quaint by comparison. But this This guy must have have really good access, um, assuming he's not at the White House anymore, but he must have a pipeline to all these people about what's going on.
7: Can we uh, get to one point, though, before we get to your list that Marjorie and I were fighting about the other day? (laughs) Marjorie celebrates... This notion, because she thinks Trump is such a danger to the country, that unelected officials like uh, Mattis in his—I mean, again, when he was in all, when he was in his appointed position, Gary Cohn, etc. They are, uh, are what insulates us. What was the great line from the former senator Aww. from uh, uh, Tennessee, Corker? Uh, the generals are what stand between us and Cass. She has no problem with what Gary Cohn I did. That's, no, not, no, that's, yes, not you, no,
5: that's not correct. What you is I celebrate it. What I was saying, what we were arguing about the other day, and if you think that the President of the United States is so impaired or out of it or crazy or drunk, in the case of Richard mm-hmm. Nixon, which is what people thought the end, during there. the last days of Watergate, I have absolutely no problem with the uh, ch- joint chiefs of staff, or the defense secretary, or the chief of staff saying, "If he no wants one. to blow up the world, don't let him blow up the world before you talk to me." I have no problem with that. So because if that's the elected
7: the, president of the United States, even if you can't stand him or her, makes a decision, no and it's problem. countermanded by an unelected person, I, you're, fine I, you're fine with that?
5: Because I think that that's Donald why Trump Congress is, is a clear there, Present Marguerite. danger to the Americans. So then they should the impeach world. and
7: remove him. They I'm should I'm
5: impeach with him on this them. one. well that's okay you know this guy is already done
0: reckless and dangerous all right so this is um wgbh 89.7 jim Brody and marjorie
1: okay well we like jim marjorie i'm a little a little concerned about this one dynamic yeah but
0: and again it's very subtle but what it's basically saying is from what is like probably the largest public radio station in boston Mm -hmm. One of the co-hosts is saying they are fine if the military has to step in to stop something, again, in the name of national security.
1: Oh, honey, no. Which is
0: just how uh, that other article is framed. Oh, this person may have known Hezbollah.
1: Well, no, the other article is even worse because the other article is basically working for them as propaganda by spilling that without any actual, like, what kind of evidence they have. It's even worse.
0: But, see, the reason that this to me is, like, more subconsciously damaging is you have what is one of the le- like their audience is ten to hundred times ours, thousand. I don't know. It's the largest public radio station. It sounds in like they need our voice. Absolutely, definitely have us on. <laughs> and you have one of the hosts saying that they would be fine if the joint ste chiefs or if just somebody nice in a uniform. If if right, in this is like the scariest part, which is like our U.S. military police have like a ninety percent approval rating. They Congress has like ten percent. If right now, um, this channel got interrupted. They cut into a radio news broadcast. There's a good-looking guy in a military suit with a bunch of uh ribbons and uh, what do you call the things on the sides? Epitaphs. No, epitaphs is from the tombstone. These are the nades. Similar. Anyway.
1: The things on the shoulders. If Tom Cruise in
0: a Top Gun outfit right now (laughs) broke into a communication broadcast and said, Listen, um, the president just tried to launch a nuclear weapon. We had to uh, restrain him. And unfortunately, himself, Pence, and the leaders of uh, Democratic and Republican Party were killed in the incident. We have decided in the name of national security to hold office. To make sure that during this divided time in our politics that we have a stable strong and secure america that's fucking terrible over That'd be so bad over 60 percent 70 percent of people would be like thank you no, thank you for the no, no, service no, no, thank no. you for doing the right i swear to god no. that's what that news article we mentioned earlier is promoting that's what they're promoting on this show Ugh. It is this acceptance of it and once you accept the norms that the executive the enforcement agencies of our government don't have to follow the policies and you have a culture built around militarism and you have a culture where 90% of people approve of the military that could happen tomorrow. No one listening to the show would buy into it. I swear to God, it is not that far fetched. It sounds crazy. It really isn't. This is part of the larger climate that we are all a part of. And this is why I I
1: don't like either of those options. I don't like the option of letting Trump run amok and letting ice run amok unchecked. And I also don't like the options of, oh, let's let the let's the big daddy military come in and fix yeah. everything for us and take over. I don't like either of that at all. Yeah. And I don't... I, I'm i not really pleased with Marjorie Egan for that either.
0: No. And I mean... It's alarming. The message of the liberal Democrats will be, we'll just let us be in charge. We're going to be Ooh. so nice. Yeah, we're going to have to have border walls. Yeah, we're going to have to make some cuts and social security. But we're going to be really nice. And the only other part is what I am describing as the left. You don't have to use the word socialist if you're not comfortable with that, which is basically saying, no, 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 we don't accept any of those. Uh, there is a right who also doesn't accept that. Please call in. Yeah. It's a little late right now. I <laughs> think we're wrapping up. If if you consider yourself by the conservative right, please... It's
1: more like the libertarian
0: right, probably. Yeah, and
1: but half not... of those
0: people became...
1: I'm not pleased with Shannon Dooling for that article either. I feel no, like, it isn't. I and feel like that is actually... It's not as... Actually, I think... I mean, Marjorie had an opinion that was wrong. Whatever. But with that headline, I feel like... Did somebody pay her to put that there? Like,
0: was well, that... Again, they the slightest of fairness to, to, like, to Shannon, they don't get to pick the... <laughs> The, the, the actual titles of the articles, writers don't pick.
1: I would never work for an organization that didn't let me at least proofread the header.
0: Most don't. Most, like, the writer submits it, and then the editor... Or I would wh- want final approval, though. It, maybe the upper, upper, like, 98% of writers, even, like... She's been there a while. She should get that, but... That's crazy. Well, I mean, I mean, but but the entire article is still framed with like, oh, he could have been dangerous. I don't know. Good thing we had these tough guys to take And is, is this all framed of this like, well, you know what? They they did what they had to do for our safety. Yeah, well,
1: I'm not giving her any passes like then. The That's some bullshit. Because no, uh, we
0: don't have proof. Do I'm we have mad.
1: proof of this? No. Well, yeah. And we had proof he had a real
0: visa. So that sucks. Yeah. And they were going to go through a court proceeding.
1: Yeah. But... What's that
0: judge got to say about this? It's, oh, I'm not going to make too much noise because, again, it's all like calling a bluff. Yeah. It's all like, what are you going to do about it? There's no accountability mechanism. You think any politicians? The entire state police has just been openly revealed to be running an overtime corruption scam. Yeah. Like, yeah, you had like, what, four or five people as like scapegoats? Oh, no, Troop E now is going to be mislabeled as Troop C. It's
1: the rotten apples versus the The big element
0: of Baker's plan to reform the police is I might hire someone who's not from within the Boston police for the top job. Like, there's no accountability for any of our enforcement mechanisms. So, sure, go throw a 20-year-old Iranian in the back so you can pretend that you led the resistance and stopped the next 9-11. Well, can they bring him back? I I don't know. If he could get to... Because it's it's much... I mean, until you get out of the airport, you're still not... And this is like one of the loopholes. Even if you land on a U.S. airport, you're still in an airport. And they're like these weird green zones. That's why they we were able to do this. But it's even harder if you're back in uh, an airport in Iran. or I'm not even sure if... He maybe got segwayed somewhere else i don't think they have can
1: have flights to iran from boston logan i think that it has to go to turkey or something first
0: oh yeah i mean i'm sure there's no direct yeah. flights i'm I, I just don't know if he like you know went to like turkey and then like he's just staying there or did he eventually they sent him back to iran i don't know well the whole thing's horrible but um so yeah everyone please get involved if you're watching the show please go do socialism which is my phrase
1: Fears and socialism. Also, uh, let's uh, see what. I don't know. Uh, we're going to do some national stuff next week. Um, I caucus. I'm so depressed.
0: I know. I'm sorry. I'm so depressed. I wanted to talk about it because we talked about it last week. You want to talk
1: about something else depressing?
0: Why do you have more depressing stuff? Glenn Greenwald. Uh, my homie in Brazil being
1: charged with like, cyber crimes. Um,
0: yeah, let's wrap up the depressing episode. Yeah. Next week. Knock on wood is going to be celebratory episode. We
1: might get to see who I endorse for president.
0: Let's see. Um, all right, what's going on with Glenn?
1: Uh, he's in trouble. is a fascist and charged him with like, criminal cyber crimes uh, for being a journalist, uh, uh, reporting on um, a bunch of corruption. I actually don't feel like going into that much because I'm already depressed. But we're going to talk about maybe that next week, see what happens. I just think it's interesting because... Um, you know, I've, you know, we, I, I knew Glenn in the past. Uh, we worked to support a lot of journalists and leakers and uh, freedom of information type of people. Um, you know, he leaked on Snowden and, or helped with the Snowden leaks and uh, also helped when uh, my friend Barrett got arrested and exposing some of the leaks that went on there um, and organizing uh, different foundations to help protect. Uh, Journalists that are, uh, you know, reporting on important and oftentimes leaked information, uh, and now you know he's been in Brazil. And honestly, I, I feel like he should have been getting out of there for a while. But uh, they have kind of this like fascist president. Actually, not even kind of. Bolsonaro really sucks. And uh, yeah, they're charging him with cyber crimes. He's not in prison right now though.
0: Last my, he's not in prison he's not like he's, he's, not.
1: he's not like julian like he's not in prison um, right now
0: his husband is Dave part, miranda is part of the brazilian congress parliament is he yes oh nice uh good for him uh so uh glenn greenwald um, i know he writes for a lot of like um, intercept brazil he broke that story about the like chats that Bolsonaro was in. Yeah, that
1: was the like, Operation Car Wash anti yes. like corruption stuff. So uh there's actually no real criminal activity here and basically they have a problem with the free press. Um once again, luckily there's been like a, a lot of organization building around that and um I don't know. We'll talk about it more in the future. But definitely
0: follow his work. Yeah, follow his work. Um he's one of the best uh journalists that like I know like a lot of I think j- he needs to get out of there. He is uh he definitely seems like a fighter and by that He o- is like almost literally somebody on stage trying yeah, to Yeah, he did him. get in a fist fight. Yeah, he this got was, that, like, that a couple last let's ago.
1: He got that last blow Yeah, right, and somebody it was like great. tried
0: to like just charge um, him and swung and he just like Kung yeah, but like Bolsonaro has it. like
1: like people like with guns and like with like no, like, uh, like uh, nighttime like like uh, fascist armies that I just come after you and kill you like it's sucks. Take us to uh, he, uh,
0: Like it's almost been proven that he has ordered hits on yeah like leading left at, um, af- um activists and I forget yeah. the name of the woman that the shooter was like dating his daughter and he's also responsible for the uh, fires in the Amazon rainforest which. Contribute to 25% of the world's oxygen. Yeah, so, and a lot of uh, a lot of the... um. And the United States was complicit in his election and the imprisonment of uh, Lula, by the way.
1: Yeah, exactly. And Lula, I mean, people can have their problems with
0: Lula, but ultimately he wasn't, like, a fascist as, like,
1: Bolsonaro was. And
0: they have been, like, No, tens of millions yeah. he, of his people he brought out of the country. But
1: battery. Bolsonaro has actually drawn a lot of, like, in my experience, Brazilians that went back and... He ha it's weird. It's like uh people who are once on the left in America or people who were once like liberal or understanding of this stuff ended up I see Bolsonaro sticker stickers everywhere, even in America. People support it's like a Trump. It's like the Brazilian Trump. It's like strange. I don't really understand it. Uh I think people feel safer, maybe. It's something like that. Privileged people feel safer under him. I'm not really sure what Bolsonaro's appeal is because it seems like everything's going to shit. Um and it's like scary what he's been doing uh, but I actually would i i would i would like Glenn to get out of there
0: I mean for his own safety yeah definitely um but again his uh his husband is like an, an elected elected official and yeah.
2: Yeah. I,
0: I I don't know Glenn I've read his reporting um I, I read people that admire him. he strikes me as the type of person yeah he's. That, yeah, that as a public statement, he won't leave the country because he value he doesn't want to set up. Because, um, you know, he is probably one of the most no- uh, well-known journalists in the world at this point. Yeah. Uh, like, he doesn't want to set the precedent that you can threaten a journalist and the journalists will just leave and stop. But um, full solidarity. The more people that know about him, the more people that are watching yeah, him. Yeah, just
1: go on, like, The Intercept uh, and, I don't know, follow it. Because, I mean, it's it's been a little stressful, what's been happening. Um I don't know. Brazil sucks. <laughs> Bolsonaro sucks. And I can't believe we're still fighting for freedom of uh, journalism in 2020. Because this is like a fight that's been going on since like 2011.
0: Yeah. Um, so much love to Glenn and his family. I hope everyone's safe. It's such a depressing ending of the episode. I know.
1: I know. Let's talk about parties.
0: Um,
3: what are we
1: plugging? All right.
0: Plugs. Herb, get your plug ready. Um, all right, let's see. Going off script. You have a script? Ah, I always have a script. Oh, that's such a good um, idea. The biggest concept I want to plug is that between now and February 11th, everyone who's listening to this <clears throat> needs to go canvas for Bernie in New Hampshire. Just, I think, yesterday or maybe today, the Bernie campaign made an announcement saying. Thank you, everyone, for phone banking. But we're phone banking too much at this point. We have too many volunteers. Yeah, I get calls <laughs> from Bernie's people like every day. We have day. too many volunteers phone banking. So if you are in the Massachusetts area, if you're in the Vermont area, Maine, New York, Rhode Island, Connecticut, hop in a car, go link up with the Bernie Sanders campaign. If you don't know how to do that, reach out to us here, and we'll get you plugged in. They have buses. They have free buses all over the place. I will... I mean, I'll be going up next weekend because I'm part of, like, an independent expenditure. I'm trying to do things a little bit differently. Long story short. I will short, not be
1: going up because I can't
0: leave the state. Um, sorry, so we'll figure it out. So go campus for Bernie. But uh, next Monday, if you want to hang out with me before we do the show, pregame before the show, I will be at Democracy Brewing. The Brewing or brewery? Democracy Brewery um it's downtown it's a co-op
1: wait say brewery again
0: brewery <laughs> okay. i think it's brewing i can't pronounce that word right now <laughs> all right democracy something monday night starting at five thirty. i will be there for the iowa caucus watch party come have some drinks get dinner uh meet some great activists not just in dsa but the surrounding area <laughs> and we'll be supporting all things bernie stressing out as the polls come in and then i will i don't know maybe give a speech and then i'll take off and come here to do the live you can updates. bring people here with you and all right if you show up and you're cool maybe you get to come on set you might
1: get a special invitation
0: maybe but you have to go on uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash oh, Yes,
1: exactly. Donate, and you can be a special guest next week after go. the for the Iowa caucus watch party. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. Um,
0: all
6: right. You two plugs.
0: Uh, her?
6: You want me to go first?
0: Go first. Flash second.
6: All right. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. First and her. But anyways, I got a couple for you guys. I got actually three. On January 31st, at the Midway Cafe. We got Heather Timmons' uh, birthday party. Oh, yeah. Definitely check that out. That's going to be pretty cool. Uh, if you guys are into the whole Bernie thing, dude, over at Deep Thoughts on, uh, what is it? Uh, February 1st, they're going to have a, a Bernie party. You know, a couple bands are going to play. You should check that out over in JP, Deep Thoughts. You people know what that is. Also, fuck, I got a third one, dude. February 5th, Try Hardest playing over at Once. What? Our boys try hard. They got, they got a, a, a self-titled record coming out in February I mean February 29th, dude. So, you know, catch them early. Catch them at once. See, see what they're up to. And then we got like, uh, we're going to like tease something happening here at the studio on the 9th. But, uh, more news on that. Oh, nice.
1: All right. I guess I'm not plugging that then. Who knows? <laughs> we got a lot of Aquarians around this space. Let's just put it that way. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's right. Keep it weird. Um that <laughs> I just need to give you a list of events to plug her. You're the best at this. I hate it. So uh I don't know. Uh so basically um there's a comedy show, my friends, uh doing a show at, at 730 tavern on Wednesday. This Wednesday, two days from now, in Cambridge, 730 Tavern. It's comedy, it's friends. It's unrelated to politics, but it could be fun, and I'll be there. Also Woo what else are we doing? I don't know. Uh, we're doing the show next week and uh, go join Evan to leave the state and canvas for Bernie.
0: Yes, yeah, hit me up if you do not know how to get involved literally in anything. If you just want to get involved in anything within the greater Boston area, or within the Boston area or New Hampshire until the 11th. I'm we're also having a
1: fashion show here. Oh, yeah. We're, this isn't for another couple weeks. But we are having a fashion show at I get to studio. be a model, right? You get to be a model. You yes. get to be a supermodel.
0: Um, and then... My new mom, alliance. My mom gets mad at me because so I don't plug it, but the hats slash 90% of the clothing I wear is brought to you by Sandy George. She's the unofficial wardrobe Ow! architect of this. So, thanks, Mom. Yeah. Maybe you'll get to have your style represented at the model show. You,
1: I mean, your mom does a good job. Thanks, Mom. Yes. What is this? Is this is this nice? I don't know
0: what this is.
1: <laughs> it it matches your hat. We can put it that way. Good job, Sandy. Um I don't know. That's it. That's all I got. We got fundraisers coming up. Oh, February sixth. What's on the sixth? Oh.
0: I'll plug that next week.
1: Okay, we'll plug that next week. I don't know. I don't know what's going on this week.
0: All right. Um round You get you got closing music for us, Herb? Sure do.
5: Going out on this. (laughs)